Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. This month, we're going to work through some different scenarios. The average person does not teach Bible studies for one word, nerves. We could call it fear, but that's the ugly name. Okay? You know, in Acts, what they prayed for was boldness. But I'm going to tell you what boldness comes with. I believe, Brother Taylor, boldness comes with education. Boldness comes when you're not intimidated that you're going to get a question you don't know how to answer. (laughs) How do I, what happens if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? Say you don't know. But that's tough. That's a jagged pill to swallow. But here within the, the context of our own local church, we have several different people that are extremely gifted, extremely skilled, um, have won so many people to the Lord, have been extensively used and utilized in teaching Bible studies. We're going to look at this in several different ways over the next four weeks. It's a series I'm very excited about, but longtime member and incredible minister here, not only at Indiana Bible College, but here at Calvary Tabernacle, someone who has been an amazing leader for many of us for many years and for me personally. Brother Sleva, we love you. We're excited for you to come and launch this series tonight. Let's let Brother Sleva know we love him. Thank you very much. Amen. Well, I'm not sure who all he was talking about, all these gifted, talented, more experienced. I must be the guys that are following me next week, but um, thank you very much for letting me have the opportunity to be here, and thank you, Pastor Carson, for this opportunity um, to be able to, I want to share in my heart what I feel is important for every one of us. And I realize we're talking about home Bible studies, so we kind of got the little thing set up here as if it's, uh, you know, you're at your home and you're sitting at the table and you're going to be, you know, talking to someone, having a Bible study. And a lot of times it's kind of easy to, um, to kind of think, oh, that's his job, or oh, oh, that's their job, or yeah, they're good at that. They, they talk a lot. But the reality is, uh, and I hope you get this out of the Bible study, it's our, every one of us, our job to do home Bible studies. You may not be called to pastor a church and teach to be the Bible teacher. Uh, I would rather hear Brother Carson tonight. But What's important, though, is that every one of us have to get enough foundation of the word and understanding and to say, and it's my job to share that with somebody because the word is so powerful. So I think everybody has a handout. That's true. Just for people that need extra help, we're going to pray. Lord, I do ask that you help us in this service tonight. And I pray, Lord, that your word, forgive me, just your word, God, let it hit the target that you want it to hit. Lord, open our understanding to realize, God, this is just so unbelievably powerful, God, if we could just grab hold of it and embrace it and commit ourselves to it because you can do the most unbelievable things with the most (laughs) helpless people. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. We give you praise and honor. You're a good God. Thanks for your grace right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All righty. Let's see if I can find some glasses. And... uh, 
I need to find a phone somewhere so I know when I'm out of time. And uh, we get started. Our Marcus said, you have the willingness to hand out? Everybody have a hand out? Good. All right. Looks good. So it's teaching home Bibles today. This is what we're talking about. And just, just for starters, I think it'd be important to make the note, it is a biblical command. A biblical command. So uh, if you want to flip onto the first scripture there found in Matthew 28, um, verses 19 and 20. And I've, I've just, now hopefully you won't criticize me for just taking an excerpt here. I know you're not supposed to add and subtract from the Word of God. So I know in your handout, I don't have the whole verse on there, but it should be correct. So anyway, I wanted you to remember this part here. So uh, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. So he said, Go ye therefore and do what? Teach. What are you supposed to do? Are you sure? Where at? You sure? Okay, good. That's what it says. Next verse says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. What are we supposed to do? Teaching them. To do what? Observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So, again, this is a biblical command. Here's why this is important. The Word of God all by itself is powerful. How many believe that? All by itself. And I... I want you just to trust that the Word of God can do it. So it's not how smart I am. It's not that I have a certain pizzazz or I have a gifting. Uh, honestly, um, again, I'm, um, man, I have two confessions here. I have messed up so many Bible studies. <laughs> Fumbled over. Dropped the ball. Uh, how many of you are in this category? I know there's some people who are just extroverts who can just talk and just meet anybody. I don't me to start talking. I'm like, how do they do that? I, I know you might have a hard time believing that, but honestly, um, if you don't ask me a question, I can become introvertish. I don't know. How's the weather? I mean, just we don't know what to say. Um, and so I, I don't feel especially gifted, um, but I do find that something inside me, though, has a heart that wants to, to, to touch people, to see God do his will. And so in that, in that process, I, I want to be able to, to do, as a matter of fact, if I had an example, I should have brought a, um, a glove with me, but I'm going to try to do a substitute. You're going to pretend like this here is a glove. Here. And if I told that glove, glove, uh, we need to move these chairs off the pew, uh, off the platform. Can that glove do anything? You sure? It's helpless, right? No ability, no talent. If I put the glove on and I said, glove, we're going to move the chairs, what can the glove do? It can do everything the hand can do. Do you know what I'm going to go to with this? We are gloves. I can't do anything special by myself. I can't convince people, con people, whatever else. But if I would say, Lord, I need your spirit in me. Let your word speak through me. Because you have the power, and it's going to be you doing And I can do everything that the God in me can do. That's quite a bit. That's quite a bit. So just getting that first part established there, I want you to kind of start saying all my excuses for saying I'm not capable, I'm not outgoing enough, I don't know how to talk well, I don't know the scriptures well enough. Look, the word will do the work. As a matter of fact, in this next little uh, portion right here, power of the word. Mark 4, 26. And this little uh, example here, I think is kind of cool. Uh, it really struck me the other day when I was reading it. 
Mark 4, 26, reads like this here. And Jesus speaking, he's, and he says, So the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep, so he decides to take a nap, and rise night and day, the seed's going to work anyway. Did you get that part? And should he sleep and rise night and, day, uh, night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow, and he knoweth not how. So how does the word of God know how to get into someone's heart and change and, and transform them? I, I don't have to know how. I just know it does. Very good. Is that making sense? Yes, so look, just use the word. Here's one more little introduction thing. I want everybody to feel like, if you haven't figured this out yet, I want everybody to feel like I need to teach a Bible study. Uh, anybody bold enough to say, I refuse to teach a Bible study? Go raise your hand right now. Good, thank you. Uh, there's a few people that are, no, I wasn't sure about that one. But anyway, seriously, I want you to be that serious about it because the, the Word of God is powerful. And I want us to realize if we don't put the Word out there, if I don't plant the seed, nothing's going to grow. What kind of harvest are we missing because we're not planting? And you have neighbors. You have people all around you. So anyway, I don't have to know how it works. I just know that it does. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if I'm sleeping or if I'm fretting about it or if I'm, I should pray about it, yes. But it's going to work regardless. It has power. It says, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First, first the, the blade, then the ear, and after that, the full corn in the ear. So it's going to produce... The seed and the earth, the heart of the person, God's word, is going to just be doing things. And things are going to start growing. And it says, here's what you need to know. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put it in the sickle because the harvest has come. So in your little notes here, I put in there, here's what you need to know. It doesn't matter if you're sleeping, rising, the seed's going to grow. The earth is going to bring forth its fruit. It's a work of the Word and the Spirit. By the way, when someone comes in here for church and they're feeling, ooh, I feel God's presence, and man, I felt, I felt the touch of the Lord. We want that. That is the Spirit impacting them. But if they just felt like, wow, that was a good feeling, and they go back out and just live the same way they lived, what's going to happen? That's going to get real distant feeling, and it kind of goes away, and it's like, I might need another dose sometime, but I'm busy right now. And, and what they felt by itself isn't going to work. I need some kind of a foundation. I need the word to show me what I need to do. Um, and so there's the power of the word and the spirit. Jesus even said the people are going to worship the Father must worship him in spirit. And I need those two elements there. So just saying, wow, we have fantastic services at Calvary, great. But you need to be pumping out the word to everybody you see. Get them established. This is, this is how it's supposed to be working. This is what's supposed to be going on here. And so what you need to know is just that you need to plant a seed, understand there's going to be a timing, and when you see that it's ready for harvest, that you move now to move in a harvest. I can't tell God if I see, like, wow, this, is, you know, this, is, this person's coming along, and, man, I see that, man, they've got a hunger for God, and, and something just dawned on them the other day. The lights came on. I'm like, wow, I, I recognize this year now. I realize what repentance is, and, and they're coming along. You need to know when it's time to move in and say, now, you need to make a, we need to make a change right now. Let's, let's, let's put some... When you, uh, salesman closes the deal, when you, you got to hit the punchline, says, listen, act on it now. We need to harvest this. We need to bring this in. 
Um, that's about all you need to know is that the seed's going to work and just realize when it's time to reach out and grab the harvest. Yeah. I, it, I can't say enough how important each one of you are. Um, I don't want you to miss your season. I got a question, and, and this is sad to say, true confession time. There's been times uh, God has arranged it, and I just feel like, wow, God brought that person to my life. And there's this, maybe we were praying for them on Zoom or whatever else, and they pop up like, oh, wow, answer the prayer. This is great. They come to service. Oh, I felt God. They weep, cry. Oh, it's wonderful. And I'm thinking like, okay, well, I need to get together with them sometime this week. And so we get together, and we talk a little bit, and we say, and this is what's going on. This is great, da 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 and, and, you know, it's, it was good, and, uh, but I didn't get the word in there. And we had a good fellowship and talked, oh, yeah, service felt good. And then the next day, come by again, oh, yeah, how are you doing? Oh, good, this meeting, keep praying, that's all right, thank you. But there's so many times I didn't teach a Bible study to give them a foundation. And then all of a sudden, there's a change in their life, something distracted them, they moved away. All of a sudden, like, I can't get a hold of them, and the phone number changed. And I'm like, ah, oh, has anybody ever had that experience? There's been so many times I've recognized I missed my opportunity because I should have been planting the word that all those times we had connections and times we were meeting together or having fun or just going out to eat or whatever. Plant the word. Plant the word. It makes the foundation. You know, uh, I believe it was Brother Marler was sharing back when he was teaching at the Bible college how that uh, way back a number of years ago, especially in the South, there was like these... Uh, Tent revivals just kind of swept through from town to town to town to town. And he said, man, you just set up a tent almost anywhere, start preaching, and man, fill up, people get the Holy Ghost, whatever. And they had this great large crowd of people to be attending. And then just a short time later, uh, they, they, after six weeks or so, they move on to the next town. And they go to, after that, the next town. And just, you know, and just amazing things happen. Miracles would happen. People filled with the Holy Ghost. People being baptized. Going from town to town to town. A year later, you come back. And where there had been 120 people, 140 people had gotten saved, you can hardly find five. Did they not get the Holy Ghost? No, what happened was the Word of God wasn't taught so they could build a structure. Without the Word, it doesn't keep you plugged in. So again, I want you to understand that when we're getting to the point where we talk about home Bible studies, I, want, I got to study this first part here. You got to realize that all of us have to have this connection that we're involved with the word and that we're teaching the word everywhere we go. I don't want us to miss the word. God gives us these seasons. I don't want you to miss your season. You need to follow up when God, when you see God working on someone's life, you make connection. Oh, hi, so glad to have you in service. Ask him, do you want a Bible study? Take time to plant the word in there because the word will do a work and change their hearts like you can't change them. I can say, oh, you shouldn't do this. That's wrong. No, don't do that. Don't smoke weed. Da, da, da. Whatever I'm going to say. But the word of God can do just so much more. Uh, just was at a church recently, and uh, they were so proud. They, they, they're really pushing Bible studies, like we are. That's good. And uh, the one guy said, you know, I've been teaching Bible studies. And he said, um, he says, out of the 18 Bible studies that I've taught over here in the last few weeks, he says, all eight of them, 18 of them have gotten baptized. I'm in 100 for 100. That's awesome. Now, I want to make a little, I don't want to, wet this down and mess it up now. But you know, a lot of them, your Bible studies, are not going to work out real sweet. They might be disasters. Don't give up. Don't quit. As a matter of fact, sometimes I thought, that was a failure. 
And they kind of like stopped in the middle of it all. And I just, I was in Bible studies and, oh, well. And a year later, they called up and said, sleep. We got to get together, man. I, we need some more Bible studies. I'm like, what happened? You see, while I was kind of asleep, that word was still working in their heart. It was to remind them, I need to get this fixed. Maybe they weren't ready right then to make the commitment. But it was still there. That word just kept hitting them and kept hitting them and kept it. And finally, yeah, they plugged in. So moving on here. So Jesus is our example. And I thought this was really interesting in Luke chapter 24, um, verses 27. If you want to turn there, look up on the screen. Jesus is uh, the two men from Emmaus, on the way to Emmaus. Um, they just, Jesus just been crucified. They're bummed out like crazy. They're having a bad day. By the way, a lot of people are more open for Bible studies when they're having a bad day, I think. When life is crashing, they're just really desperate. They're trying to find something to grab onto. Say, hey, would you like a Bible study? I think sometimes they're almost more apt to, to plug in in a situation like that. So don't miss those opportunities either. So in uh, verse 27, he says, um, he began it when they're walking. He said, well, why are you guys so sad? So haven't you heard what's going on? Are you some stranger here? Don't you know what? They, we believed that he was going to be the Messiah and it all messed up. And so they have doubt, catch this, they have doubt in their mind. They think there's no hope. Their Messiah just died on them. That's what they're thinking. And that's where Jesus picks up his Bible study. And he begins at Moses and all the prophets, and he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. When he started talking, and this is what I like this next verse coming up here. He's teaching them as they're walking by. They're all frustrated, not sure what's going on. It looks like it's all crashed, all life's a disaster. He's teaching them, concerning himself. Let's jump down to verse 32. After he gets done and he breaks bread with them, and all of a sudden he's gone, he's out of there. And they make a comment like, whoa, that was him. And it's like the lights come on. And they said, one to another, did not our heart burn within us when he talked to us, by the way? And while he opened unto us the scriptures. Look, folks, when you begin to open the scriptures with people, I guarantee there's going to be something burning in their heart. Man, if, you, if, if you're, you're feeling a certain word like, man, I, want, I feel like God wants me to really talk about this repentance, wherever you're feeling like you're teaching on that day, and you're feeling it strong, I guarantee they're feeling something strong too. Their heart's going to be burning. They're going to say, ooh, ooh. I feel that. Yes, I need to do something about this. And sometimes I'm thinking, oh, they probably won't you know, act on it because I'm thinking how bad they are, or, you know, how unlikely this situation is. No, the word of God is so powerful, it can cause their hearts to be burning while you're teaching. Yes. Jesus Folks, the word is powerful. Yes. It is powerful. Verse 45. He said, hey, guys, <laughs> they were having some food and whatever else. And he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. He's actually having a little sandwich with them. He asked for some fish. And while he's having this little meal with them or whatever else, he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Um, I want you to take advantage of every situation, every opportunity to plant the word because it makes all the difference. So here's the challenge. And this is, um, you got that part? Any questions for me? The word's going to be powerful. You don't have to know everything. Just don't be afraid. It's everybody's job to do this. The word says so. So we have this little uh, setup here. And um, I say Jesus was our example. He showed us uh, how to do this. We're moving now to the challenge. The challenge. So I need some people got your calculators. You're smart. Check me out on this one here. Uh, city inside that 465 loop. How many people are in Indianapolis? I'm guessing how many? Anybody know exactly? 
I think it's around 700,000 inside this loop. Inside the loop. Outside, it's a million and a half. It's a lot bigger, but it's over nine. Okay, so I'm way off. Sorry. 900,000 inside the 465 loop. Um, on the day of Pentecost, well, let me ask this one first question. Who's supposed to reach those people? Campbell Soup Company? Uh, yeah. So whose job is it? Brother Carson's, right? He does it all by himself, right? He's good. No, if we're going to reach Indianapolis, by the way, is, now wait a minute. Maybe God doesn't want to reach all of Indianapolis. You reckon that's possible? He just doesn't care about half the city? False. He intensely loves this city. Matter of fact, we have a lot of history here. So much history, anointed people, brother, I mean, all the way down the line, as far as you look at the great revivals that swept through here, the mighty men that were used, the uh, oneness message coming across the Mississippi River, whatever. I, I can't help but believe that God hasn't forgotten all their prayers. I am sure there's people that prayed back then, and we're living in the day that God wants to bring forth. You feeling that? Okay, good. So here's the issue. Our challenge is we got to reach them. How about your coworker? Can he reach your coworker? He probably doesn't know their name. Does Brother Carson know your neighbor's name? Do I know your neighbor's name? Probably not. So who's supposed to reach him? <laughs> I remember, man, I, I was running out the back door. I was at my parents' house. I'm, I'm running out the back door, and uh, I, was, I was staying there at the time. And I'm on my way to Bible school, and there was a Jesus house going on, a few other things. And I'm running out the door, and I hear some neighbor kids, they're young kids, like, you know, 12, 13 years old and whatever, and they're all just cussing and carrying on and being crazy and nuts and whatever. And uh, I remember walking out and out the door, and um, I felt like God just checked me and said, um, you need to reach them. And I said, God, I'm busy. <laughs> I got services to go to. I got classes to teach. I, I, I'm, I'm busy. And he said, they're your neighbors. Mm. And so, um, okay, there's a little gap in age. They're 13, 14. I'm probably like 35, 7 at the time. A little awkward. Um, so I'm trying to think, well, how do you engage this? They're not real warm and friendly. And it really was, I remember just thinking like, well, God, I don't think they like me. And as a matter of fact, they told me later we didn't like you. As a matter of fact, they threw rocks at me. They threw rocks at me. But God said, yeah, but they're your neighbors, nobody else's. Wow. I tried to weasel out of it. God didn't buy any of my excuses. So just had to start. Folks, you cannot believe <laughs> the stories that came out of that by just saying, I got to somehow hit this. I know I don't feel, I'm not feeling love here right now, God, but, you know, I got to somehow just push through this here. And, man, the, the doors got open, transforms. Man, it's, it's literally, I can't probably 30, 40 people that I've been connected to because of them. Kids got filled with the Holy Ghost. We're in our Easter drama back in the day and whatever else. How did all that happen? It's like I couldn't give them excuses. They were my neighbors. They weren't your neighbors. Mine. I'm responsible to somehow reach out to them. So uh, what would you say if we had a uh, day of Pentecost in Indianapolis and 3,000 people? Wouldn't that be great if we had just 3,000 people get the Holy Ghost in one service? <sighs> yes. Those of you who have a calculator, can someone tell me if there's 900,000 people inside the 465 loop, what percent is 3,000? 
It's not 33%. I think it's point. Here we go. Participation, audience participation. Get your calculators out, figure this one out. We're going to have to figure this one out here. What did we come up with? 0.33%. Not even 1%. Folks, do you realize the revival we need to have here in Indianapolis? We need something that almost blows the day of Pentecost out of the water. Can God not do that? He can. All right, so how then? And so I want us to look at this here a little bit. If he gave us a great revival, we had 3,000 people get the Holy Ghost in one service. We're at our 0.33%. Thank God. At least it's 0.33. Um, the next Sunday, they said, wow, I really felt God's spirit there, but are they going to just go home and watch TV and go back to life as it always was and hit the clubbing during the week and everything else? Are they just supposed to know automatically what to do? Or does someone need to teach them Bible studies? See, hell will be warning us their soul trying to steal everything that they got. It's going to be the word of God that's going to be the foundation that they have to build on. It's going to stand the storms. Storms are going to come. And so here's the question. If we're not prepared to teach Bible studies, why would God give us a big revival if we're going to lose them all? I, I was in Europe one time, and, you know, uh, we were all on fire and excited, and we're all young, young whippersnappers in the day, and seasoned uh, uh, soul winner evangelist came by. And he says, so what do you believe in? Oh, we need, we need a 10,000 soul revival. He says, you believe God can do it? Oh, yeah, yeah. He says, so are you, are you prepared and ready for him if that happens this Sunday? We're like, what do you mean? Sure, we're ready for it. I'm <laughs> bringing on God. We'll take it. Yeah. He says, yeah, well, who's, who's your teacher who's going to be teaching Bible studies? Who are, who are gonna be putting, who's going to be reaching out? Who's going to be? And it's all saying, oh, we're supposed to do something besides them getting the Holy Ghost? Are you getting to the point where we're going to now? It's going to be urgent that we understand it's going to be all of our job's responsibility to teach Bible studies. All of us. We're never going to have the revival we need in Indianapolis if we're just going to watch a few people do it. Um, if you flip over um, on the scripture method here, in Acts chapter 5 and 42, and by the way, when the Bible was written, I don't think they had numbers in there, and so we're going to go 542 and then 6-1 right after that. So it says here that, and daily they were in the temple, and in every house they ceased not to do what? Teach and preach. Who? Jesus Christ. So they were teaching. They were explaining. Here's who Jesus is. Here's how it's impacting your life. What was the very next verse after that? The Acts 6.1. And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied. I'm going to stop right there. They're teaching and preaching from house to house. They cease not. Daily, they're at it. You feeling the, the responsibility we're supposed to be doing? They're ceasing not to teach and preach, and it says the disciples were multiplied. Multiplied. So, in understanding that, I think God wants us to mo go more than just addition. We need to move to multiplication. Uh, and so what do I mean by that? Well, in Timothy 2.2, Paul's talking about... Um, uh, he says, he's talking to his son, Timothy, son of the faith. He says, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. So here's Paul teaching Timothy 
teach faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So he's looking at not just my convert. It's not just my grandkids convert kind of thing. I realize there's no grandkids in God, but. But it's like I'm teaching him so he can teach people how to teach people how to win. So it's not just I'm just seeing how what I'm going to do by myself. I'm thinking this whole long deal, how we're going to go through this whole thing. So what does that mean then? So it's uh, the little chart you have there. Look at that a number. It says multiply method. So I want you to visualize that you're going to, you, you maybe feel convicted to say, I, I teach a, a Bible study. How many think you could teach one Bible study a year? Show of hands. Is that too strenuous for anybody? Just one Bible study a year. A lot of you aren't raising your hands. I'm not doing too good, am I? Help me, Jesus. So... You're doing a Bible study a year. And, and this is the addition method. And so I spend all year working on it, teaching the Bible study. We go search for truth charts, wherever we do. And we get done. At the end of year one, how many people are there that are converted? converted? Myself and one more. So I got one convert. If I do that the second year, according to the chart, uh, and I teach another Bible study, and I go a whole year. This is the addition method. You look down there. Total converts, including you. We'll be at the end of the second year. There's how many people? Three. At the end of the year three, how many people are there? Four. At the end of year five, you can see all the way. When you get down to year 20, how many converts do we have? 20, count me, is 21. Okay. I wish to God that you'd at least, we'd all be at least doing that much. But I don't think we're going to reach Indianapolis very well at that rate. Now, what if I taught a Bible study, though? And when I'm teaching the Bible, study, I said, bro, you understand something. The Word of God says that we're supposed to go into all the world and teach the gospel. So we're, not only are we going to be converted ourselves, but we're going to go out and teach and preach. And we're going to go out and we're going to give home Bible studies. And you get them all fired about, like, being given home Bible studies. And so you got, at the end of year one, under the multiply method, including you, there's two of you guys. But you two go out for the next year, and the two of you guys go out and get each one. So we end up with four on year two. And on year three, those four went out, and we went to eight. Got it still? You look at your little chart there? Make sure I'm not lying. And then year five, we're at 32. Year six, it's not on there. It's going to be 64. And it goes on up the line. When you get to year 10... We have 1,024 converts. Did you catch that? On the addition method, it'll only be 11 people. On this here, I got 1,024. If I go to year 15, it starts multiplying so huge now that I got 32,000 people. And at year 20, we've reached the city of Indianapolis. We're over a million. Uh, if I live to be as old as my mom does, I could see this happen in my lifetime. The whole city of Indianapolis. Does that sound strange? How about Acts 13.44? What does it say? It talked about the fact that in the next Sabbath day came almost a whole city together to hear the word of God. The word of God was so powerful, folks, that man, when people just understood, this is what we do. This is like everyone. This is our. Okay, so here's what's scary. If I look at our size today, and I've been attending this church, and so this makes me guilty. Uh, I've been here since I was, I think, two and a half years old. Spent a little time in Europe, but came back. Uh, 
I obviously haven't been teaching Converse to teach Converse because that's been a long time now. So somebody's not teaching Bible studies. Me too. Because this is doable if we just all said this is what we do. So let's look at it at the heart of a Bible study teacher. I'm trying to bring this up here. When he saw the multitudes, Jesus speaking here in Matthew chapter 9, 36. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. So what has to be in my heart if I'm going to teach a Bible study? I'm going to sit down at a table up here. I'm going to find somebody and say, hey, you know, would you like a Bible study? First of all, I have to feel compassion. I appreciate what Pastor said earlier. It's not just we want more numbers. I want people to really be changed, that they know God. Matter of fact, how about this one? I'm getting ready to do a jail service one time. And so here's how I prep myself. I'm, I'm sitting there waiting for the inmates to come in. Officer can bring them down. I'm just kind of sitting there. I'm thinking, okay, God, so help me in the service today. And I need to know what my main thought is. And okay, the main idea, God, is I'm trying to get them to heaven. And, I'm, and when I said that, I felt the Jews checking the spirit. says, no, that's not your main job. And I go, what do you mean? Of course it is. I've got to get people saved. That's why I'm here. I'm here to get people to heaven. I felt the Holy Spirit check me. He says, no, it's not. By the way, here, I give, oh, I ask this question a lot, and I don't get too many right answers. What is the greatest commandment in the Bible? Don't word it out. Just think for a second. Old Testament, New Testament, it's the same thing. Jesus was even asked this question one time by some people trying to trick him. What is the greatest commandment in the Bible? I hear a few murmurs out there. It's to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm not trying to get people to heaven. I'm trying to get them to love God. What do I mean by that? This will never happen, but let's just say there's a telegram that floated down from heaven. It would be a text message, I guess, nowadays. And we got a text message that says, this is from Jesus. been a slight change in eternity. I'm moving to another place. It's not quite nice as heaven, but that's where I'm going to be for eternity. But you have the option. You could have your streets of gold and your mansion in heaven, or you could be with me. Not quite as nice, but you can be with me. What would most people pick? I'm afraid a lot of people would say, uh, I'll take the mansion. I like the gold. That's not what heaven's about, folks. It's to be where our Lord and Savior is, the one who bled and died for me. That is the main point. So there has to be a compassion. It has to be uh, something in our heart that says, this is what I'm about. And so in, the, in this little portion of Scripture here, when he sees the multitude, it said he was moved with compassion because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Folks, I hope when you look around and see Indianapolis, there's something hurts inside you. It goes like, oh, Jesus, we need help, Lord. So many confused. I'm thinking about all the teenagers now. They've grown up, the millennials, whatever, in their 20s. All the ones that have grown up in public schools who've been taught over and over and over and over again. There's no God. There's evolution. We're just a random species, whatever. They don't even know who God is anymore. I don't think God wants this whole nation to have a whole generation of people who don't even know who he is. He wants so bad for them. No, I want them to know who I am. I'm powerful. I'm mighty. I can transform lives. That's why we've got to be about this, folks. This is what we've just got to be about. Teaching. There is a God. Look what he's done in my life. Here's the testimonies. Anyway, we need to be moved with compassion. I have a little saying I always say, exposure breeds a burden. If you open your eyes and look, I think Brother Mooney used to always say, drive home a different way. 
if you just look around, you'll see, oh, I didn't notice that before. We kind of numb out to some things, and we're not moved with compassion anymore. You can't function right. You won't, you won't teach a good Bible study if you don't have compassion. So the heart of a person who wants to teach a Bible study and be effective, you have to have some sort of compassion. It's not like I have to do this, otherwise the God will probably kick me in hell. No, it's I, I do, I want brownie points with Pastor Carson. No, it's got to be I feel it. It hurts. I got hurt in neighbor. I got kids in the yard next door. They're crazy. They don't know nothing that's going on. They're all in the gangs and nuts stuff and trying to imitate everything off of Hollywood. God, we need you. If my heart's moved with compassion, then there's something in me that says, I've got to reach them somehow. I want to show them that the Word of God can make a difference in their life. He can transform their mind, their hearts, everything about them. There's a need for compassion. Let's go to verse 37 or 38. We can skip one if you want. 38 is fine. His response was, when he turns to his own disciples, he says, pray you therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he'll send forth laborers into his harvest. Church, I want us to somehow get this. We're praying, God, send forth laborers, but I can't say, but not me, God, them. I really got to say, Lord, if it needs to be me, then send me. Matthew 9, 38, he talked about, pray the Lord the harvest, he sent forth labor. Jumping now to Luke chapter 10, 29, um, Jesus telling another parable. And um, the whole argument, I'll just shorten this up real quick. The whole point was here is he's asking, who's my neighbor? They're trying to mess with Jesus again. He explains the guy's beat up in the ditch and, you know, whatever, and he's in need, and the person helps. That's the person that's his neighbor. And, and the Bible said that the, the priest went by. They're walking by, but there was a guy who wasn't even really, um, yeah. A certain man went from Jericho. He falls among thieves. They strip him of his raiment. They wound him. He's departed. He leaves him half dead. And, and the guy, this came up as a result of, Jesus being asked a question when the guy who's trying to defend himself saying, well, who's my neighbor? He said, well, he tells a story. There's a guy beat up in a ditch. We'll go throw 30 up there. Um, he sees him. He's half dead. You feel like your neighbors are half dead? Beat up by sin? I sense all the time. Verse 31 talks about the priest who passes by on the other side. 32 um, jumps on, there's a Levite that walks by. But then in 33, here comes a Samaritan. And the Samaritan, as he's journeying through, he saw him, he had compassion on him. There's that compassion factor. Verse 34, he went to him. Folks, you're going to have to reach out to your neighbors. You're going to have to go to them. They may never come to church. I can advertise for Calvary all the time, and I hope they come. They'll feel something great. I'm not, that's wonderful. But I think there's a need for us to bring the Word of God, the healing power, the awareness of the power of the Holy Spirit, and he took care of him, is the point. Verse 35, we'll go ahead and knock that out too. Um, he says, look, whatever, it's take, whatever it takes to take care of him, I'm here, I'm going to back it up. And um, just hit verse 37. When Jesus gets done with the parable about the guy who paid for it, reached for the guy, Interrupted his schedule, put a bleeding guy on his donkey, took him in, took care of him. He finishes by saying, go do thou likewise. Folks, I believe that God wants us to do likewise. Yes, sir. I've got to somehow reach my 
my neighbors. Um, Samuel, can I borrow you for a minute? So reenact, we're going to reenact a little story here. You just bounce up here. Um, you can sit in the little chair right here. I, this is a Bible study that happened, oh, quite a few years ago now. And um, they got, the kid I'm having a Bible study with, his, uh, his mom kind of said, uh, hey, um, um, I, you know, my son's in some trouble. So you're in trouble. Uh, I'm in some, in some trouble. And, um, you know, uh, like, you know, you can help him out. He's not been to church. Okay. And so I, I show up, oh, Raz, take my Bible. I better get my Bible for Bible study. So I told you I'm not good at this. So anyway, uh, grab the old Bible there, and so I show up in the room. Uh, the, we're sitting at the kitchen table. True story. Sitting at the kitchen table. And so I'm awkwardly trying to, you know, hit this Bible study. Uh, I don't even know if I had charts or not. I was pretty ill-prepared, I think. So we're, we're having a conversation, talking. And uh, somebody walks in that I didn't, never met before. And so um, the person who knows who I'm talking about, guess who walked in? True story. And I look, and as he's walking by, you didn't sit down. Oh, no, you didn't sit down. Get the microphone. Well, what would you have done if you just walked in the house and this old guy sitting across the table from your little brother? Yeah, I wasn't very happy. So he's mugging me. I think you stop, and you your homies with you, too. They're all following behind you. Yes. You gave me the glare. It was a glare. And you just went on up the steps, mad. Yes. You went up the steps, mad. Steps, mad. <laughs> How do you feel at this point in the Bible study? A real success? I'm worried they're going to come back down and shoot me. I think he was wanting his little brother for a convert, and I'm trying to make him a convert from my side, and he's trying to convert him for his side. So I'm like, um, whatever. So that was the end of the Bible study that day. You can go over by your car now. So I come back the next day, or a few days later, and uh, hey, let's have a Bible study, and I'm going to try this again. Hopefully we don't have any interruptions. Um, and uh, I don't even remember how the Bible study all kind of went, even that day. I was still kind of awkward. But what happens is, is that as I'm getting ready to leave, thanks, good Bible study with you, I'm walking by, my car's parked inside of his car. And so um, I'm thinking, you know, he probably needs Jesus too, maybe. <laughs> Did you want to hear anything from me? I didn't want to hear anything from you. Anything about anything, right? Not even the Bible. Just nothing. Nothing. But I notice he's struggling working with his car, and they've, I won't say what all went on, but they're just not happy with what's not working on the car. And so I kind of sheepishly, not trying to act like I know it all, says, hmm, what's wrong? And anyway, the conversation started there. Um, I made a suggestion. Thank God it worked. And they're like impressed. <laughs> Well, I don't know how impressed they were. How impressed were you, really? The first time, a little impressed, but you helped me fix that car multiple times over the next several weeks. Look, folks, 
had I not been going to Bible studies, I wouldn't have ever been passing this guy. And then there was a day that I was in the house, and I felt a little more comfortable. I was feeling a little bit more in love now, maybe. I don't know about love, but I, you know, so. I, I was warming up. Warming up. But your homies weren't. They were not. And so I realized he's in a battle between two wars here. Uh, and I, there was the, the unscheduled Bible study. Yeah. You want to describe that? Yeah, so we, we kind of cornered Brother Sleva in my living room. And, and I was well-intended. I wanted my friends to see that there was something going on here, that this guy that's been letting me take advantage of him and fixing my car for the last couple months seems to care when he's getting nothing in return. And so I get them to all sit down and at least listen and start asking some questions, but they were not. They were vicious questions, and, and it was not a good scene. Brother Sleva was, uh, needed a life vest. <laughs> I didn't have all the answers. But what would happen if we just gave up? You feeling that? Thank you. Um, you got to stay here for a second, though. Uh, just take, take two. I'll take your microphone. You can have a seat now. So um, another Bible study. Um, Tyrone? Antoine. So, this is Antoine now. I'm not there this one, so you can't blame me for this one. So, uh, there's Antoine, and I think the magic people are Chris Barber and Josh Anderson. And they're going to give Antoine a Bible study. So, they're all sitting there, but guess who else is sitting? Well, actually, it's not Antoine's house. It's this other guy's house. So, maybe the other guy, please come up here and um, have a seat. He doesn't know Jesus. He's got no clue what's going on. And so uh, he just, I think you were. I was on the floor during this, actually. Okay, you can, so he's sitting on the floor. These guys are having a Bible study trying to get Antoine plugged in. Guess who's eavesdropping? <laughs> I'm not sure where Antoine is now, but I know where Michael's at now. You want to describe what was going on, what happened? Um. I have no clue what the Bible even was at this time. Um, I remember the first thing he said was, open your Bible to Genesis. And I'm like, hold on, is there a different, like, to the book of Genesis? I'm like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? You know, there's different books. And, uh, you know, this is at my house at the time. I'm just trying to be a good host, you know. You need pizza, whatever else. I have no idea what this Bible study really even means. And uh, it was, you know, I'm over here just trying to keep myself together, trying to make it look like I... I know something. I don't know anything. Um, and they just start pricking on me. And, the, you know, the, the words they were talking about, uh, it was probably three lessons in. Antoine wasn't even there. We continued to do the Bible study, and it was me and, and some friends that, uh, that were there. And lo and behold, you know, how many years now? 13, almost 14. The Lord has been so good. So, amen. Thank God. Thank you guys and have a seat. So the next few weeks is we're going to be talking about what actually happens at the table. But I want you to realize something. If you miss a Bible study, that person's too hard, too difficult. I'm not sure what 
Calvary is going to look like because of what you didn't do and what it could have liked, would look like if we would have done what we felt we're supposed to do. You know, in time, it just, I'm thinking of all the people that Juan's ministered to, people that Michael's ministered to, and like I said, I'm, I'm not taking credit for Michael's, that's, I wasn't even there. The point being, in just teaching a Bible study, you might feel like you're fumbling the ball, and both those cases were kind of like, not great Bible studies. But man, they so hit. The word did a work anyway. It was working on Michael anyway. He just was catching the overflow of seeds that just kind of sprinkled over on his soil of his ground. And it started springing up and was working, and they didn't even know what was up at first. So Jesus, I'm praying right now, God. You tell them how to help us to realize that this city is reachable, God. And you weep and cry just like you did for Jerusalem. You're grieved, God. And you need to move, our, I want our hearts to be moved with compassion, God, that we could sense the way you feel towards this city, God. We look at people and we're scared to death of them and we think this is not working, this is horrible, whatever. But God, you might be so working on their hearts and they're so hungry and they just need some word in there to give them faith that they can stand, that they would make a move towards you, God. And so I'm praying in Jesus' name, you somehow touch our hearts, God. Touch our lives, God. Bring about, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, let not one person somehow feel like they can escape. And Lord, I don't care if they feel like they're the least qualified, the newest member here or whatever. Every one of us, God, can be a soul winner, can be a teacher of your word that just shares, God, what you put into our hearts, God. You can put a one word in our heart, God, that we share with somebody else, and it will be planted and will grow and produce fruit. And so I'm asking, Lord, in your precious name, Jesus, you'd help us, God. Help us, help us in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.